It's the dictionary. 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 Hello, word nerds. Welcome to another stimulating episode of the dictionary. We have a guest. I am so, so happy when I get to have a guest on, especially uh, one who has knowledge like our today's guest. We have Sarah Dysack. You have uh, seen her name in the title of the episode. Um, so Sarah and I sort of go way back. First of all, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, for being here. Uh, Sarah and I are, our families are old friends. Our sisters grew up together, but you, I think, were the oldest. You are the oldest of your siblings, and I'm the youngest, so you and I didn't really have a whole lot of interaction growing up. Well, you but, know, I you babysat know. for you. You did? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> at least one or two occasions, but yes. So... I, I don't know surprised. how old you were or how old Jesse was, but yeah, no, I definitely know I babysat for you, and I am I'm older than your sister's friend, but I'm still not the oldest in my family because I have. A oh, okay. What doesn't really matter. The point is, is that we do go way, way back and have All that right. relationship. You clearly have blocked out. Well, <laughs> so how old was I? I mean, it, maybe it was before I could make a memory. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I must have only been probably in middle school or like thirteen or fourteen, and I'm. 49 now i don't know how old you are so 42 so yeah i mean i would have been like six yeah. maybe maybe and yeah. it wasn't very it was just a once or twice but oh yeah anyway. i have very little recollection of like babysitters in that time so okay but i gotta know like any did i was i terrible did i any did i do anything bad or really good i don't know i don't even remember interacting with you or jesse while i was there the only look i'll tell you the only thing i remember actually was reading a copy of your parents' um, height report, which is a book about sexuality after you guys are bed. So <laughs> that's uh, sounds like it was a, a very wonderful time. We probably went to bed right, and so oh, yeah. you were like, "Oh no, this now There's is nothing the time. inappropriate." But yeah, no, I I was the, the snooping kind of babysitter. I was always like, "Ooh, what what do people have?" Like, I guess I maybe I, I shouldn't. Admit I think that, all but... babysitters are the snooping kind of babysitter. Not any that babysit for my child, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, totally Never. not. Never. <laughs> Never. Well, okay, so Sarah is here not just because she used to babysit me once <laughs> or twice, but because she owns or co-owns um, a company called Early to Bed. And how long have you been in business? Um, it's just me, and okay. um, it's been 21 years. Wow. So since 2001. That's amazing. So uh, can you give a, a description of, of what this business is and what do you sell? Sure. Well, the short answer is we're a feminist sex shop, um, which means, you know, we sell sex toys and gender expression gear and accessories. And um, I am a feminist and I use my feminist principles as much as I can to run the shop and to, um, you know, exist in this world. So yeah, we sell a very curated collection of toys. I am very fussy about things. Mm. Um, I'm very uh, angry about things. <laughs> so we have high quality stuff. We have stuff that doesn't make me mad. Um, as well as, yeah, other kinds of accessories and things that go along with that. And, and like the things that might make you mad or like if it's uh, maybe created unethically or things like that. Things like that. And also like bad buttons and uh, stupid design and yeah. overpriced things. And yes, people who use Charlie Sheen as spokespeople, you know, all kinds mm. of, there's lots of things that can make me really mad. Racist language on packaging. Um, yeah, all those fun things. So if you, and, and do you have an online shop? We do. Well. It's earlytobed.com with the number two. So, yeah, and I actually have all of your links here. I did go to that webpage and it wasn't loading, but that could be because I'm at work and it didn't want to load it because I'm at work. That's um, entirely I, possible. Entirely possible. Um, you also have this page that is ftmessentials.com, which is trans essentials. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So then, so early to bed is just the main business. And then in 2012, I started a separate website called FTM Essentials, which is now we're calling Trans Essentials. And I haven't really updated the ah. um, website. We're trying to let that 
go slowly so that we don't lose any customers. But um, I, it was a it's a website that sells what I refer to as gender expression gear. So basically, they're not items for sexual purposes, but they're items that people use to help them feel more embodied in their gender. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're not age restricted in the same way that a lot of uh, the things that are related to bed are. And also it's just a a safe, like you could bring it up at your work, right? So it's a safer website. So if folks want to look at it with their parents or their, you know, help their um, social worker or friends or something like that, they're not on a a website that's also selling, you know, adult toys. Right. Um, Yeah. I'm seeing like, uh, there's, there's some sort of books, like a quick and easy guide to asexuality, a quick and easy guide to they, them pronouns. And this is fantastic. Um, I actually know some people who I'm going to pass this along to because, you know, they're, they're transitioning or working on, you know, figuring some things out. So this is a hugely beneficial, um, asset, uh, I think, especially for today, obviously. Thank you. Um, because I have these up, I'm going to quickly read off some of your other sort of linky things, um, on Instagram, uh, early to bed is at early, the number two bed. And on Twitter, you guys are early to bed, all spelled out all the letters. And then is it okay for me to give you your personal Instagram too? Sure. Yeah. Um, it is S E A R A H to bed. That is Sarah with an extra E at the beginning, Sarah to bed. So obviously all my all those links are going to be in the show notes if anybody wants to go check those out. Um, and if I didn't say it, the reason Sarah is here is because in this episode we have the word dildo. And I personally am not the, the type of person who can speak about this intellectually in any way other than, you know, just a very surface level thing. So I thought I need to bring in an expert and I know one. <laughs> so here's Sarah. Here I am. Um, so yeah, I think we'll have a bit more of a, of a more lengthy conversation about just the word dildo and all the sort of things that are around that once we get to that word. Um, but in the meantime, would you like to talk about a few other words briefly? Oh, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. The first word in this episode is, um, it's, it's tagging on to the end of the previous episode, which I have not yet recorded, but this word is dilative d-i-l-a-t-i-v-e and this is adding on to words like dilation dilated dilate dilatation that's another form of that word um so this is an adjective from 1634 and it is causing dilation or tending to dilate and just doing a quick little look over at those words that I have not recorded yet. You know, we have synonyms like distend and widen and swell and dilatation and expansion. So that's sort of the world that we're talking about here. Um, dilative, it's the adjective form. Do you have anything, anything to say about dilative? I... Um, well... Not really. Or any, or any of those other words, because, you know, we're sort of in the same world. Oh, it's just interesting. The only thing that, like, I'm finding sort of kismetic about this is that um, we sell dilators for various mm. purposes in our store. And the sort of overlap of dilator and dildo, um, I think, is kind of interesting and in how both can be dilative. Yeah. Um, but I have not heard that term um, used commonly before, but it's um, interesting that it's on there. Yeah, it is. Um, can you, let's see, I'm, yeah, can you, can you just give a, a quick description of what a dilator in the context of your shop is? So it's, in the, the context of my shop is usually a series of graduated um, silicone, you know, probes to have a more general term for them that someone would use, um, the ones that we sell are specifically used for vaginas, either for folks who are having pain um, or need some a therapeutic, a therapeutic, um, therapeutic. Uh, I'm so bad with words. I don't know why you have me here, but um, so to help work through um, issues of pain with penetration. Okay. So there's a series of graduate, the graduated sizes. Um, dilators are also used by people who have um, 
gender uh, gender confirmation surgery where they're creating a vagina in their body. And mm. so those are used to help kind of keep that space open. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes people use them um, also anally to kind of prepare themselves for larger objects than maybe their body has had before. So. Gotcha. And uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning, just for everybody listening, this will definitely be tagged as an explicit episode. Um, Not that I personally think that it should be, but I think if I don't, I may get tagged for that or something. So, you know, we we are talking about pretty explicit things here today. But I'm I'm glad I asked about what that is, because I, I didn't even know that those things exist, you know, being a you know, cis heterosexual male, uh, I was not aware of that, obviously. Yeah. So thank you for, for that education. I'm sure we'll get more. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, okay. You, you probably don't know this after each word, I like to do a little sound effect. It was a, a suggestion from somebody who was like, you know, just make a little sound. So, you know, when the next word's coming, it's a very strange question, but there is there a sound effect? What's the first sound effect that just jumps in your mind? And then we, you and I can, like, make that sound. For what? After dilative? D- after each word, yeah. You just want me to make a noise? Because I, I was thinking, like, a cranking sound. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> a... Like a... Crank. Like a... Like brrr, that kind of thing? Slower? da 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 Sure. I don't know how to make a crank sound, but we'll like, try. More like, Ooh. yeah, I don't know. I gotcha. I gotcha. So to do all right. sounds after every word. Oh my gosh. You're really challenging me here. Okay. Yeah. This, this is what we're here for to, to put people, uh, make people very uncomfortable. I like it. It's good. Okay. All right. So I'll do the first crank sound. We can play with it. Have okay. fun with it. So, oh, after right. every word, we'll make the same one. Yeah. But Got you can it. you can change it up. Have fun okay. with the sound. I'll All right. The okay. next word in this episode is dilatometer or dilatometer. D i l a t o meter. That's the end of that word. Noun from circa 1883. This is an instrument for measuring expansion and dilatometric is the adjective form. Dilatometry is a noun. So just anything that needs to measure how something has expanded or how much it has expanded, that would be a dilatometer. Fascinating. We, we are learning things. Now, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that when, when a woman is going through, um, uh, go, going to give birth, she's going through labor, there's the dilation mm-hmm. of the, is it cervix? Oh, yes. I'm really, okay. And it, it has to get to about 10 centimeters. Uh-huh. And I know there's like the little... There's like a little chart or something that shows. Would, do you know, would that be called a dilatometer? From how you described it, no, because it's the, the, there's not a, it's not an instrument that's going in someone's body. Yeah, right. So, and they're usually, when someone's, you know, going through labor, they're just using their hands to decide yeah. how dilated they are. I, yeah, I haven't seen uh, anything with that. Like, it must have some sort of markings or something, right, and go inside, but I don't know. I don't yeah, know. probably. And, and also, it probably is not strictly for somebody who's, who's going through labor. Right, yeah, I'm sure there's right. lots of things. That, there's lots of things you want to measure the size of that hole. Right. <laughs> um, so I think maybe we'll put a link in the show notes for dilatometer and just so we can learn more about what that is and where it might be used. All right. It is your turn to make the crank sound, oh. if you like. That's not even a crank sound, but... That's, I, this That's is perfect. a terrible choice. No, no, it's good. It's good. Over and over again. Listen, I have to do... I, I release episodes every single day, and the amount of times that I am very embarrassed about what I do is pretty much constant. So you are in very good company. Great. <laughs> the next word is dilatory. Adjective from the 15th century. Number one, tending or intended to cause delay, as in dilatory tactics hmm. Hmm. number two characterized by procrastination and the synonym is tardy as in dilatory in paying bills this feels like a very old way yes to talk about being late <laughs> uh dilatorily is an adverb dilatoriness is a noun do you have much dilatoriness no i am the opposite of you like to get things done early yes 
yeah. I tend to try to be on time. I mean, I'm not saying I never procrastinate, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of the opposite. I'm, I'm a big fan of that as well. I like to just get things done before I, you know, I, I get the idea of procrastinating. You can have fun now. But in my mind, if I can just get the thing done now and, I, and I'm not dilatory, then, uh, then uh, it's off my brain and right. I, can, I can go have fun after that. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, the etymology says it is from the Latin verb deferre, which is also from the word delatus, which means to postpone or differ. And there's more at the words differ and tolerate. So, yeah, it's just all about postponing and late. Yeah, I, I have never heard anybody use this word before. So maybe we need to bring it back. Yeah, right. We need to talk more fancy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Uh, okay, the next word. That's my crank sound. Oh, and we are now at the, the most important word of the episode. It is dildo. D-I-L-D-O, for those who don't know. It, it's one of the shortest definitions in this whole episode. Um, it is a noun from 1598, and it is an object resembling a penis used for sexual stimulation. And just real quick, the etymology says the origin is unknown. Do you have you ever heard of where this word may have come from? No, but I'm actually sort of surprised to hear that it's as old as the dictionary is saying. Yeah, about the 1600s is when it came into English, at least. Um, I will probably put a link in the show notes uh, if I can find some additional information about the etymology, because with a word like this, I feel like we should know where it came from. Right. It's interesting that there's not, it seems so unlike our language to have such an old word that only has like one very specific definition. Um, Right. Like what was the context of the creation of that word or something? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. What, where it doesn't have like what it, yeah. What it comes from or who first started using it and why and where that, yeah, it's kind of, interesting so what what is the history that you know like what what's what's your level of knowledge of when it was started who was using it where all that kind of stuff very little i mean you know you might be surprised to know that this kind of stuff while there's people who are interested in research that there's just not the kind of history about sex stuff that there is about other things especially things that are designed for pleasure especially things that are designed for pleasure in general of people who are you know assigned female at birth and so you're talking about a whole lot of lots of people don't care you know um i know that dildos themselves have um you know researchers have found ones that they've dated like 20 30 years old Mm -hmm. i know it's a huge (laughs) time range but i can't remember off the top of my head it's 20 or 30 years um, so they've been around, you know, for forever. Um, I think that, you know, the first time a proto human found something on the ground, they stick it in their hole. You know, I think it's a very, um, it's a common thing for kids a, to do. Yeah. And I think it's a very, whatever, like I'm sure Freud has a thing about it. Like it's a very natural thing to kind of explore these orifices and stuff like that. But I mean, they've been, so obviously they've been around with a name, um, for hundreds of years. Um, and there's something that, um, you know, you can see in ancient art and stuff like that, but I don't know that anybody has a really good cohesive history of them or the language around it. Um, there's, you know, vibrators, which turn on, which is going to be a difference between that and a dildo. Usually I was going to ask, let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean the, that definition of dildo, could encompass a wide range of things, but mm-hmm. we, I like to make a distinction whereas a dildo doesn't really do anything on its own, but a vibrator or a vibrating sex toy of another type turns on in some way or another, even though of course there are dildos that turn on, but yeah. yeah what's the, what's the line like there? It's, it's, I don't know. For me, it's like if the, if the vibrator comes out is removable um, and it's, and it's meant to go inside a body then it's a dildo first and a vibrator is kind of like an, it's like an accessory to it. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's shaped very specifically like a penis um, and can be used in a harness, then it's a dildo first. 
in a vibrator second if it turns on. But I mean, the definition also is a little narrow in that it says it's shaped like a penis, which nowadays is a small fraction <laughs> of the number of these available items. Um, and the, it seems yeah. like they should have maybe used like the word phallus would be a little bit more generic, but even that is still yeah. too I think specific. It just means penis. Yeah, I think, and I think that <laughs> if you, if most people who are not sex toy savvy think of a dildo, they're going to think of something that's shaped like a penis, right? Like that's mm-hmm. sort of our cultural norm, but um, there's just been a huge, a huge range of in the last 20 years, 30 years, um, people recognizing that just because you want something inside your body doesn't mean you want it to look like a dick. And so you can get a very realistic one. You can get semi-realistic ones, or you can get ones that look like completely other objects or no objects you've ever seen or can can you give us some examples? Right. Right. Oh, sure. Like, um, Tentacles are quite mm-hmm. popular right now. Things that look like, um, you know, alien parts that don't, you know, don't have any basis in humans. Our human reality, right? Um, things that are more abstract, like just you know, tube-shaped items. You know, like sort of rocket-shaped items. Um, there, things have come and gone. I mean. There's been, um, you know, ones that shaped like mermaids and wizards where the whole body goes inside <laughs> you, um, which is a lot for most people. Uh, yeah. But well, yeah, how, just, th- those things, they, they must still be fairly uh, compact in their, like, uh, in, in the, what am I trying to say? Like... The sizing they, of them? Yeah, like, they can't, they can't have parts that are going to, like, go no. off. Right. So they, they're still, you know, fairly, you know, cylindrically shaped. They're all pretty cylindrically shaped, whether or not that cylinder comes to a point or is square right. or, you know, whatever. There's there are some variations. But yes, there's only really <laughs> there's it's only really one general shape that's going to fit inside someone's body. I've seen people try things that, you know, you don't know how they're supposed to go. Um, so have ER nurses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and there's definitely lots of variations on that, but, um, there is a really like a a huge variety. Um, and we also, I would say just a clarification point for that specific word is that I would call a dildo anything. Well, so, and then we also have things that go in people's butts, right? Mm -hmm. Which you can put a dildo in your butt, but anything that's designed specifically for a butt, we would call a butt toy or a butt plug or an anal toy so even though there's a lot of crossover with that too so it's an interesting i don't know differentiation that we make sort of arbitrarily yeah it it, yeah the verbiage is very it's a little wishy-washy and you know let's see i'm looking at the definition uh sexual stimulation was the other big part so that at least is generic enough to encompass whatever orifice you want to use Agreed. Yes. And I think that is a very important um, part of that word. Right. (laughs) Otherwise, it's just a sculpture. (laughs) Which, you know, it can be both. Wine stopper, doorstop. Yeah. So many things. There was just a a dumb story. Years ago, I think I was talking to my friend who knew somebody who had... Actually, I wonder if they got it from your shop now that I think about it. Um, (laughs) But they, they had... It was, like you were saying, a dildo that also vibrates. And we were like, well, wait, is it a dildo? Is it a vibrator? Just like you were saying. And I think he came up with the name Dildator. Ah. Just to combine the two together. <laughs> it sounds too close to Dilator. Dildator. Though, uh, true, true. Yeah. You don't want people to get confused on those. No. No. Um, I'm sure there are a zillion questions that I could ask you about this. I don't, I don't know. Um, is there anything that you want people to know maybe people who are not so educated with the the types of things that you sell at your your store um is there anything that you want people to know who might be a little wary of buying something like that or whatever you think 
a hundred things I want everyone to know. <laughs> um, I mean, I think some of the things that we talk about a lot and that I think is really important for people who don't have experience with sex toys or dildos or any of those things um, is, first of all, that um, these things don't necessarily define, like you, you can't tell somebody's gender or sexuality by what the sex toy they're using. And there's a lot of preconceived notions that you know, men use this and women use this or this gay people use this and straight people use this, stuff like that. And I think that one thing that's beautiful about these items is that they're just objects. And so anybody can use anything they want <clears throat> safely. Um, and I think that, that, that a lot of people, once they can let that go, they can uh, open up the, the ideas of exploring further and that they're not a substitute for people, right? Like just because mm -hmm. you have someone in your life who has a penis, it doesn't mean that having a dildo um, or a vibrator is going to make them a pointless addition to your life, right? Like it's not gonna um, replace them unless of course that human, you know, sucks and you know, all you really needed was a vibrator the whole time. But um, I think that they can be a part of people's sex lives when they're alone or with partners. And then I also think it's important, we like to talk to everybody about like safety and like the, the materials that things are made out of and looking for things that are made of silicone versus mystery meat that you might buy at a sex toy store that is a big box kind of store or off that website that I hate to say the name of where everyone gets their mm -hmm. stuff overnight. Um, and, but also that, and really importantly that there's there's pretty much something out there for everybody if someone has an interest and that there are places like early to bed and other um you know independent sex shops where people are really excited to help people find stuff and that are there to ask these questions that lots of people have never asked before about their bodies about sex toys about sex um who you don't know who to ask you don't you know lots of people aren't going to ask their doctor about a vibrator um, and I don't recommend it because they don't necessarily know any more than you do. Um, so yeah, so asking question is is a great thing and that you can walk into a good sex toy store and I guarantee you whatever question you're going to ask, we've heard a hundred times before and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. None of this stuff is, people get, have a lot of shame about these things. Um, and I get it. There's a lot of societal ideas about sex and pleasure and sex toys. Um, but everybody, you know, should have access to pleasure and having these toys does not, it shouldn't be something people should be ashamed of. It doesn't mean anything about someone's relationship status or desirability by other humans or any of those things. Yeah, that that's perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear. And obviously, you you are doing this from a very compassionate standpoint. What what got you into the business in the first place? What made you decide to open it up? <sighs> well, I was um, I was in art. Is this a story you've told a million times? Well, it is, but it's also like it's not. I mean, it's just like I, I wish it was like a s slightly better story, but whatever. <laughs> um, I was in grad school at the Art Institute and I just was like spending all my time crying in my studio and realizing that this was not the right path for me. And at the same time, starting to be interested in sex toys and realizing there wasn't a store in Chicago that I felt was safe and comfortable and that I felt like I could ask questions. Um, and also just my desire to, I love shopping a lot. Mm. <laughs> and so I was like, wait, I can have a job where I like just shop for these cool things that I really like and then talk to people about sex all day. It sounds great. And um, I don't have to make art anymore, which I miss, but is also I cry a lot less. Well, that's not true at all. I cry a lot because it's scary to own your own business, but um, oh. for different reasons. But uh, yeah, I just, I was naive enough that I it was when I was 28 and I had no money and no experience. And I just was like, well, I can just do it. And if it doesn't work, get another job. So that's what I did. Cause I wanted, I wanted to have this store exist in Chicago and no one else was doing it at the time. So it seems like you did that. I did. I think I did. So not yeah. wood. well, I mean, you've been around for over 20 years I now, know, but every day you're still like, is this the last day things? Are <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's well, it you know, 20 years is a long time, so I, I feel like it's got to have been at least successful enough. Yes. Just enough. <laughs> no, to it keep is. it going. 
it, it's it's been great and I love it and I still get excited to go to work. I mean, like I I don't maybe excited as overstating it. I still would rather have a weekend, but um, mm-hmm. I love buying sex toys and selling them to people. So I yeah, I still love the work a lot. And I, I don't I apologize if this question is too personal, but do you also make sure to test things out in some form before you decide to sell it in your store? Oh, sure. We're very careful about what we sell. I'm not saying that, you know, everything gets tested by me because there's a lot of things I don't like. Um, right. But right. we have... And everybody's got their own personal opinions right. and what like, they I'm like. I'm not yeah, going to yeah. not sell something because I think, like, everything's great about it except for it doesn't work with my body or something. But, um, yeah, we, for most things you know, we get one of something and the staff kind of reviews it and looks at it. If it seems like it's on the edge of like, oh, is it going to be worth it or good or whatever, then someone will actually, you know, put it through the paces to make sure that it's worthy. But nowadays it's like, there's so much stuff that you can just hold in your hand and know that it's good or bad. And I think right. that that's, I have enough experience that I'm like, oh, this is just terrible. But then there's things that you're like, well, it could be good, but let's see if this button really works. So we are very careful about stuff. And we also are really responsive to customers too. So like if customers have ideas for stuff or if they, if we have like something where right away, one or two people have a problem with it, we're like, oh, we're done. That's, we're not gonna. Yeah, totally. Selling that. Well, and it seems like you have really high standards and all those other things that you mentioned at the beginning of anything that makes you angry in some way, you're not going to sell that. No, no, I'm going to keep it in my office on a shelf and make a YouTube video about it. Oh, interesting. I, I have a, a passion for hating things, too. Wait, so have you already started this YouTube series? I mean, or it's not, not YouTube yet? anymore, sorry. Instagram. Yeah, so on oh, okay. my Instagram account, um, I've been taking things off my shelf and talking about why... I hate them or just oh, that's awesome. terrible. So most recently it was a, a sleeve for a penis that made your penis look like it's wearing a little suit, <laughs> which okay. is not needed. And it was a crappy <laughs> material and it wasn't very stretchy. Like, I, yeah. So um, I have a kind of, it's like when I die, I'm so sorry to my um, relatives who outlive me because I don't know what they're going to do with, all of this shit I collect in my office because I can't let anyone go. Hand crank vibrators. I mean, like things that just don't fit in your body, things that look like giant lollipops but don't really work well. Yeah, so. Oh, my God. Well, okay, so now I think people definitely need to go check out your Instagram and watch those uh, hate videos because that sounds pretty amazing. Watch my, what are those things called? Reels. Yes, yes. Um, Okay, well, maybe we'll talk more about this, but but in the meantime... (laughs) Um, I need you to make a hand crank dildo oh. sound. That is not a good sound, but I, it's like no. I think it's good. It's it's like the uh, the air raid siren when you start to crank it. it... Yeah, I don't know. Perfect, That's perfect. This podcast is all about good enough. <laughs> all right. The next word is the word dilemma. And you could also say dilemma, I guess. Uh, There's a number of definitions and some usage information, which we don't usually see. So that'll be fun. Um, Dilemma. It is a noun from 1523. Number one, an argument presenting two or more equally conclusive alternatives against an opponent. Uh, Yep. People are arguing. They're in a dilemma. And if you have anything that you want to comment or say, just interrupt me. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep on going with this one. I will. Perfect. Go for it. 2A, a usually undesirable or unpleasant choice, as in the example, faces this dilemma, raise interest rates and slow the economy or lower them and risk serious inflation. Well, that couldn't be more perfect for what we are going through at the moment in um, end of 2022. That was definitely a dilemma that has been be, is being currently dealt with. Um, that's a dilemma. Undesirable or unpleasant choice. To be a situation involving such a choice as in here am I here am I brought to a very pretty dilemma. I must commit murder or commit matrimony. Okay, that's an interesting example from from George Farquhar. Huh, I never heard of committing matrimony. Right, I. Th- it seems that 
it, it was sort of a uh, a joke, I guess, of like, okay, I'm either gonna murder the person who I'm gonna marry, or I'm gonna marry them. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very strange. Common dilemma. Um, I may uh, see if I can find where where that quote is from. George Farquhar, F A R Q U H A R. I love that last name. Um, there is more to this to be definition, broadly the synonym predicament, as in the example. Lords and bailiffs were in a terrible dilemma. And that is a quote from G.M. Trevelyan. Trevelyan? So yes, a predicament. Uh, not sure which thing to choose. Maybe they're both crappy options. That's what I'm getting from that dilemma. 3A. A problem involving a difficult choice. These are all very similar. As in, the dilemma of, quote, liberty versus order. And that's from J.M. Burns. 3B, the last one. A difficult or persistent problem, as in unemployment, the great central dilemma of our advancing technology. And that is from August Heckscher. Heckscher. Unemployment, the great central dilemma of our advancing technology. Hmm. Yeah, like a lot of people need jobs and... Yeah, that is a dilemma. <laughs> Deleg- delematic. Delematic is an adjective. And let's do the etymology next. We have, let's see, from the Greek dilematos, delematos, which means involving two assumptions. So two things uh, from di plus lemat or lemma, which means assumption, and the di prefix means two, so that's why it's two assumptions. Uh, and there's more at the word lemma, L-E-M-M-A. So the whole idea of the word dilemma is two things, deciding between two things. That's what I'm gathering. That sounds like it to me, yeah. Great. Uh, the usage information for dilemma. I always find this really fascinating. Um, it says... These are the dictionary writers talking right to us. Although some commentators insist that dilemma be restricted to instances in which the alternatives to be chosen are equally unsatisfactory, their concern is misplaced. The unsatisfactoriness of the options is usually a matter of how the author presents them. What is distressing or painful about a dilemma is having to make a choice one does not want to make. The use of such adjectives as terrible, painful, and irreconcilable suggests that the word dilemma is losing some of its unpleasant force. There also seems to be a tendency, especially in sense 3b, toward applying the word to less weighty problems, as in the example, solved their goaltending dilemma, and that is a quote from Pat Calabria. Well, that was a lot. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't particularly have any anything to say about dilemma. I don't know. Did, I think they did uh, a lot of explaining there. Yeah. Yeah. What else? It's a daily say? thing. Sometimes you have a dilemma. What? What am I going to eat for breakfast? I don't know. I. It's a. It's a huge dilemma. Well, I mean, unless I am misinterpreting what you're saying, like I, I think the other thing was interesting that they were saying that it's supposed to be for big problems, right? Like. Not usually, yeah, 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 which I never think of it. I always definitely think I've used it many times in my life around something as important as breakfast, but right. Hmm. I, I think, I think breakfast is the perfect time to have a, a big dilemma, dilemma. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna do a crank sound. <laughs> the next word is dilettante or dilettante or dilettante you can emphasize the first syllable or the last syllable this is a noun from 1748 one an admirer or lover of the arts would you say you're a a dilettante yes definitely i would never use that word to describe myself but (laughs) i for sure am a lover of the arts so you went to art school. What did what specifically did you study or what was your like what was your focus? Um well, it was um undergraduate I did a lot of printmaking and 
and then I was in the fiber department. And then for grad school, I was in the fiber department of the school, which was basically anything you could make out of materials. So wasn't wasn't really traditional, and it's an interpretation of fiber. So I did a lot God, of yeah. stuff with fabric and embroidery and photography and crying. <laughs> you always got to get the crying in there. Yeah, <laughs> photography, I wouldn't necessarily think is part of fiber. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess if you can incorporate it into something that's that type of material, then yeah. Photo transfers. Um, uh, you, I don't Do you say crochet? No, or, I do did, not did, know how to crochet. Embroidery. I said embroidery. Em, yeah. Right, right. And my brain went to crochet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've thought I've thought crocheting and knitting might be kind of a fun thing to learn. I don't know. You you don't know how to do either, or I used to know how to knit. In fact, the early days of early to bed, when it was just me working alone, we didn't have a website and it was very very slow in the store. I spent a lot of time knitting mm. cozies for vibrators and dildos, so little <laughs> sleeves for them. Um, but I have since forgotten how to do it. So now I, and also don't really have a lot of time to make clothes for dildos. Right. I, I do think that is um, maybe the next thing. Close for dildos yeah. is, the, is the that that's the up and coming thing that we think we need to bring back. I do have a staff member who's very talented and she made um, a cowboy hat for a dildo for me as a present a couple of years ago that fits the dildo perfectly and is like molded like a cowboy hat. Oh, my God. Is it crocheted or knitted? One of those? No, it's like made of felt. Oh. Like it's like blocked oh. like a hat. Yeah. That's amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm impressed with people who can do that. Yeah. Um, okay, we're almost done with dilettante. It is number two, a person having a superficial interest in an art or a branch of knowledge. And the synonym is dabbler. Mm. Uh, another synonym for everything is amateur. I guess I guess I would sort of be a dilettante because I, I am interested in lots and lots of things, but I don't really know a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Dilettante is also an adjective. Dilettantish is an adjective. And dilettantism, that is a noun. And this is from Italian. It's an Italian word from the verb dilettare, which means to delight from the Latin dilectare. And there's more at the word delight. So anything that delights you like art, you can be a dilettante. It's interesting. I feel like that word, I feel like I have a sort of negative association with that word like it's used mm. to mean someone who's not serious about something about art and pursuits like that so it's interesting it's not as negative as i thought it was yeah well and it depends on which it depends on the context right it can be for sure right. yeah uh a dabbler that could definitely have some mm-hmm. negative connotation if somebody's serious in art and they're talking to somebody who's not so serious oh you're just a dilettante just a, yeah interesting uh, let's see. Can you please make a crank sound? Oh. There you go. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> it was a very angry crank. Uh, the next word is diligence. The first form of two. This one is the noun form from the 14th century. Number one A. Persevering application. And the synonym is assiduity assiduity i'm not entirely sure how to say that word persevering application yeah you have a lot of diligence you're you're persevering to get a thing done uh i have a lot of diligence to actually finish this entire podcast by getting through this entire book one b is obsolete and the synonyms are speed and haste yeah that makes sense if you're speeding down the road you're diligently trying to get where you're going and number two, the attention and care legally expected or required of a person as a party to a contract. Hmm. Yeah, that's in the, the legal world. I haven't heard of that one. Mm-mm. Shall I move on to the second form of diligence? Sure. <laughs> the second form of diligence is a noun from 1742. The synonym here is just Stagecoach. That's interesting. Um, this. Oh, no, I, sp- I pronounce it wrong. It is diligence or diligence. It's so, yeah, this is French and it literally means haste. Um, and also from Middle French, which means uh, persevering application, which is literally the 
same definition that we had for the first form of diligence. So, yeah, it's all about just, and I guess stage, why, stagecoach, I guess, I guess if you were in a stagecoach, maybe you had haste, you were trying to get somewhere, you're going to the west, that's a, I don't know, that one's kind of interesting to me. It is interesting. Diligence. Do you have anything to say about diligence? You were very diligent when you uh, created your store. Oh, sort of, yeah. I mean, that's actually our last word. Wow. So, uh, uh, one last crank sound, please. There you go. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> the last word is diligent. D i l i g e n t. Uh, can you briefly talk about how you were diligent when you made your store? Oh. I don't know. I feel like I've been sort of haphazard the whole way. Um, <laughs> we, we've persevered. But I did. I mean, like, yeah, like I had to, I had to, I had to put up with a lot of people saying no to me. I mean, that is kind of the thing about this industry is the minute you sell a vibrator, you're denied access to credit card processing and insurance and all these different things. Um, so everything is a little harder. Um, mm. It's not quite as hard, I think, as having a cannabis business, but um, sure. it's up there. So there's been a lot of, and that's like, I, you know, I'm not very good at, in general, at when someone says no to me of um, persevering. Um, oh, wait, that's the mm. wrong word. But, um, yeah, so I have had to just learn how to roll with it um, and figure out how to run a business in an industry that is still vilified. And also as somebody who isn't the norm in the industry as being a woman, as being queer, as being feminist, as being, you know, I don't know, a lot of different things. So um, yeah. So I guess you could say that I've, um, you, you've this. you've been through a lot. You've you've had to deal with a lot for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that you know just not just quitting in the first year. I think that definitely proves that you have been very diligent. Thank you. Yeah, right. No, and I have I have um, we've weathered a lot of storms. So um, and hopefully there won't be as many more. But yeah, it, it's yeah. it's been a a test of myself a lot. But um, sure. Have you seen uh, culturally? I mean, I know you've seen things change culturally in the last 21 years, but I guess for your business specifically, have you have you seen things change in the last 20 years? Oh, for sure. I mean, just the mainstreaming of the industry, the yeah. acknowledgement that women are like um, consumers, because before this was so geared towards men purchasing things for women's pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, taking and the, and the fact that these, you know, you can buy this stuff in Walgreens and Walmart yeah. now, which, you know, I have mixed feelings about, but I think more than anything, it's um, normalizing the usage of that. People are coming to us from their doctors and their therapists and their, you know, clinicians. And like, that's amazing. Um, and we've seen a lot more um, new makers come on, smaller industries, you know, so it's been, it's been amazing. And the, you know, the past 20 years has really moved this industry into the mainstream, but also given us so many more new cool things that are better for our bodies and that work better. So I am That's not great. complaining. Uh, okay. Let's quickly talk about the word diligent. If you haven't figured out what it means, it is an adjective from the 14th century. It is characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort. And the synonym is painstaking, as in a diligent worker. I'm, I'm sure at times running your business has been very painstaking. Yes. Uh, another synonym is the word busy. Interesting. And yeah, you've, I guess if you keep, you keep busy, yeah. you're being diligent. That's interesting. Uh, diligently is an adverb. And let's see, this is from the verb, what is this, Latin verb, diligere, which means to esteem or love. Oh, so if you, if you have a lot of love for something, maybe you will be diligent for it. Um, that's from die plus legere, which means to select. 
And there's more at the word legend. That's that. Huh. Uh, let's see. I will quickly just reread the words and then you get to pick a word of the episode. Okay. Whenever I have a, a guest on for a specific word, it's usually pretty obvious what they're going to okay. pick. Um, we had dilative, dilatometer, dilatory, dildo, dilemma, dilettante, diligence, diligence, and diligent. <laughs> hmm. I think I'm going to choose dildo. There That's we the go. That's the best word on there. That's how I, I don't know. That's how I make my living. So it's my favorite word there. Um, you can absolutely say no to this, but I also, at the end, when I pick a word of the episode, I, I sing a little song about the word. And there's this, the, 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 um, the standards are incredibly low because usually I can't think of any other words to say. I would I would just do something like dildo, 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 dildo. That's my song. Would you yeah, like to sing singing. a song about dildo? No, perfect. That's fine. No worries. I'm drawing my boundaries. No singing on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. You got to have boundaries. Um, and I sang a song, so we got the song in there. Yeah, that was a beautiful song. You should record that. Hey, the recording's happening right now. It's perfect. Right. I'll put it on Spotify. Make a little um, um, advertisement for Early to Bed out of that song. Yes. Oh, yes. Maybe we could turn it into a bigger thing. Um, okay. So please, um, one last plug for any, anything that you got that you want people to know about to go check out. Oh, well, everyone should check out Early to Bed online at earlytobed.com, uh, where we have a wide variety of products and a lot of good information. Also, our socials are cute. Our Instagram is particularly well um, done. I don't know what the word is. Um, crafted. And if you are in Chicago, you should come see us in person in Andersonville at 5138 North Clark Street, where our friendly, happy staff would love to show you all our dildos. That's what they're there for. That's their <laughs> exactly. job. Um, and then, of course, uh, I will add on to that the uh, Trans Essentials, which is ftmessentials.com at the moment. And if it changes, let me know, and I'll change the link in the show notes. If you go to Trans Essentials, it just kicks it over there. So either... Ah, uh, transessentials.com. ...works just the same as FTM Essentials. We just have to switch it. Perfect. Um, yeah, anything you need for... I don't even know the proper words to use, but um, there's a line at the bottom that says helping trans folks find gear they need since 2012. But it's it's more than that. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. Yeah, it's just it's for, it's for gender expression and gender expression. There we go. Embodiment. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on this uh, very silly episode. <laughs> I, uh, you, I hope you had a good time. I did, Spencer. Thank you so much. You look just like your dad when you smile. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The the mustache, the mustache is um covering up the top part. But uh yeah. Well, um this has been fun. Uh this is the most I think you and I have probably had a conversation probably. with in many years. Um and I obviously urge everybody to go if you can't get stuff for some reason for early to bed either in person or on their online shop. Everybody has access to online now. But if you can't, go support your independent stores like this, uh, not the big box stores. Uh, you want to get things that are high quality, ethically made source, don't have racist things on <laughs> on their boxes, etc. Um, go check the show notes for all that stuff. And uh, until next time, this is Spencer dispensing information. Goodbye. <laughs>